You're blessed when you're at the end of your rope. With less of you, there's more of God and His rule. Matthew chapter 5, verse 3 to 10 from the Message Translation of the Bible puts, Blessed are the poor in spirit in a new light. What did Jesus mean when he said this? Hello and welcome to Pick Up Your Bible with Cynthia Papamani. Today, Cynthia begins a new series on the Beatitudes, Jesus' revolutionary teaching in the New Testament. Let's listen in. The Beatitudes The Poor in Spirit Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Matthew 5, verse 3 The Beatitudes is a series of eight blessings that forms the introduction of the Sermon on the Mount, which was Jesus' very first detailed teaching for his disciples. The term Beatitude derived from the Latin word beatus means blessing. The Beatitudes reflect the true gospel of the kingdom of heaven, which is contradictory to the general idea people have of success religiosity, and prosperity. Jesus starts with addressing the spiritual condition of man. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. What does poor in spirit mean? When reading the Bible, we can misread terms, phrases, and ideas that are not commonly used in current day culture. It's worth the extra moments of studying it to understand the scriptures as it's intended. Poor in spirit does not only mean being humble, it does not necessarily mean being impoverished, and it definitely does not mean a false sense of being inferior. In biblical use, the term poor is often used to define both the spiritual and physical need that is dealt with in the presence of God. In this context, Jesus refers to the person who is aware of their wretched state of sin and their desperate need for a Savior. This gospel that Jesus brings to humanity, the blessings that pour out from the kingdom of heaven, is indeed for the one who knows the true state of his or her soul. It seems that with this statement, Jesus is making an exclusivity claim. The kingdom of heaven is intended for such a person and is only given to such a person. But beyond this, it is also his promise. When a person realizes their need for God, he does not intend to hold himself back. He is found by all who genuinely seek. Holy Spirit, help each one of us remain constantly aware of our lacking being that is filled only in Jesus. And welcome back. Cynthia, it's really good to do this again. We took a week off and now we're going headlong into another series. Can you tell us a little bit about the series on the Beatitudes? Why did you pick it? Why are we doing this again? (laughs) (laughs) Well, earlier this year, we had planned to do the Beatitudes, but decided to do the relationship series instead. But this is still on my heart. And I had started earlier this year, just going through the New Testament and was just just paused at the Beatitudes for a few days because it was 
an introduction of the kingdom of God, the first time Christ was sharing with his disciples the differences that they they grew up believing and their understanding of God was being questioned by Jesus through this Sermon on the Mount. He was defining the kingdom of God for them. And so I felt like even for me as a believer, it's so good to remind ourselves that we are not we are not called to surrender to this world or surrender to the requirements or the principles or the pressures of yeah. this world. We belong somewhere else. And it is beneficial for us to be to have a deep understanding of the kingdom of God because it helps us to behave in such a manner, to behave in response to the kingdom of God. And that's in Beatitudes is the first part of this Sermon on the Mount. And Jesus sits his disciples down and tells them, blessed is this person in going through the eight descriptions because they belong to him. They belong to the kingdom of God. And so for us, it's a checklist to know, okay, as he goes through these eight, where am I at on this? You know, and what should I be working on? And what should I be praying about for my spiritual health? And so it is a beautiful uh, little section of the Bible. And I spent some time on it. And that, it's such a great thing to be able to share, yeah. you know, for anyone who would be beneficial to. So. Yeah. And on a side note, you know, I have a feeling that when I was younger, I used to call it the Beatitudes, which sounds completely opposite of what it's supposed to be about. So let's get to the questions here. You know, if I'm listening to this and uh, maybe I don't have much experience with, you know, what the Bible says, or I haven't heard much about this, but I've heard the phrase poor in spirit. How do I know if I am poor in spirit? Yeah, I love that we're starting with this question. There are two things that Jesus is accomplishing through the narration of the Beatitudes to the disciples. Yeah. One is establishing the truth about the kingdom of God. And the second is making it abundantly clear that not everyone will experience wow. it. Right? The narration style of the Beatitudes repeats this theme. Blessed is the one who is poor in spirit. Blessed is the one who is meek. Blessed is the one who hungers and thirsts and so on and so forth. Meaning that there are multitudes of others to whom the kingdom of God will never be. There are blessed ones. And Jesus wants his disciples to understand that the kingdom of God, in other words, the reign of Christ, does not manifest in everyone's Hmm. life. There are many that have rejected him, many that are rejecting him, and many that will reject his reign until the fullness of his kingdom is here at which every knee will bow in realization of the true poverty of their spirit. Why I love this question is of how can one know if they are poor in spirit is because this is the correct response to the Hmm. Beatitudes and to Jesus. We have uh, fallen to this great misunderstanding or falsity that any blessing that's written in the Bible is for everyone. Right? We have ignored this narration of Christ when we 
we assume that we are worthy recipients of any and every blessing that he proclaims. And there, God, Jesus is making it clear here that no, there is, spe- there, he's specifically identifying through the Beatitudes the kind of person who belongs mm. to him. So we must ask this question, am I poor in spirit? Do I belong to him? Right? We don't belong to him because we said a sinner's prayer. The sinner's prayer is just the beginning of a sanctification process that leads us to this true understanding of our lack without him, that we are nothing and he is everything and that we need him for all things. Even, in, even the breath in yeah. our lungs is his grace, right? Being poor in spirit means being acutely aware of the fact that we are unworthy, unclean, sinful, and corrupt, and that our one and only saving grace is Christ. Now, does my life reflect this? This is the essence of the question mm-hmm. you asked to Cruz, and we must all ask this of ourselves. Does my life reflect the fact that I am nothing if mm-hmm. not his? The truth is that we are all poor in spirit, But Christ says that he reigns in the person. His power is unleashed in the person who is aware of this moral and spiritual deficiency. You know, and that's a great point. Someone I read regularly, or I used to, Eugene Peterson, he describes poor in spirit as someone at the end of their rope. Would you agree with this assessment? I do agree. Because it's only when we come to the end of our rope or the end of ourselves that we can truly seek and find the fullness of Christ. It is, it's in our sinful nature to grasp onto any form of control or self-worth or self-sufficiency. Our culture also encourages us, right? Do everything to improve the self. Our world wants us to grow into the fullness of ourselves. But the kingdom of God is the Hmm. fullness of Christ. And as believers, we must understand this. Jesus reminds us, so long as we are holding on to some sort of self-reliance or self-worth, we can't see Christ as our all in all. We're blind to the truth that Christ is the only worthy one. We must decrease to nothing for him to increase to everything in our lives. So I believe there is truth in that statement. Yeah. So again, in this, it, it, there's a lot of phrases here. And, you know, in the Christian world, a lot of us call this like Christianese because, you know, phrases that Christians throw around a lot, like poor in spirit. And then there's one more, which is kingdom of God, right? And my question is, what do you find when you find the kingdom of God? And You know, what does that even mean? What does that phrase mean? What did Jesus mean by it? This is an important question for a believer to explore because the teachings of Jesus are centered around the kingdom of God, right? It's the whole premise of the series of the Beatitudes he's teaching the disciples. And if you're a student of the Bible, which every believer should be, you will realize soon enough that the central theme of Jesus' teaching is the kingdom of God. And many of Jesus' parables, you know, start off like this. The kingdom of heaven is like a man who sowed a good seed. The kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed. 
The kingdom of God is like a treasure hidden in a field. Jesus taught his disciples, his followers about the kingdom of God. He is constantly redirecting us from our present day world and turning our eyes right to the glory of the kingdom of God, which is not necessarily a place. In Luke 17, Jesus and the response to the Pharisees' inquiry about the kingdom of God tells them that it's not something that you can say, oh, lo, there it is, or here it is. Rather, it's this, it's this descri- description of the rule mm. and reign of Christ, and it exemplifies his sovereignty. So that's what the kingdom of God means. It means being, it means the reign of Christ. So finding the kingdom of God is finding Hmm. the risen Christ and the power and the strength and the salvation that come in the name of the crucified and resurrected Jesus and our place in this kingdom as adopted sons and daughters. It's all about him. It is all for his glory. And I believe the Beatitudes is evidence that he made this uh, very clear to his disciples Hmm. from the very beginning. Yeah. So, you know, the next question that I want to ask, and I don't, it's going to, it's going to sound glib or flippant, and I don't mean it to be, because I think there are a lot of people with problems who cling to Jesus, come to Jesus because of this. And we see this in scripture as well. So I don't mean it to be flippant, but I do want to ask this in a way, you know, does this mean, you know, let's say I'm one of the poor in spirit. Does this mean that when I find Jesus, that all my problems are solved? Well, from experience, we can testify to the fact that no, right? <laughs> Not all our earthly uh, problems are solved. There is an amazing mystery that accompanies the accompanies Jesus Christ and the kingdom of God, right? Many biblical scholars call this the already but not yet yeah. reality, right? The kingdom of God is already in our midst, as Jesus told the Pharisees in Luke chapter 17, But the kingdom is also yet to come. Mm. Jesus taught the disciples to pray, um, Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, Mm -hmm. thy will be done. Right. So there is this mystery about it that it's here, but it's not yet here. The kingdom of God is um, already here, but yet to come. It is present, but it's future. We can experience the power, the strength and salvation of the resurrected Christ but the fullness of that experience is yet to come. Hmm. This already but not yet nature of the kingdom of God is good news to the weary believer. It gives great comfort to the suffering church. In this world, even the children of God still suffer. Hmm. If I can quote Jesus, the Jesus character from the Chosen series (laughs) that I saw last weekend, In this world, our bones will still break. Our hearts will still break, right? But this not yet mystery of the kingdom of God can give us immense strength and the hope to endure this season because the day is coming when Christ will be revealed fully, Mm -hmm. when the kingdom will be here, not just in part, but in whole. And he will be the undeniable ruler over all, and every knee will bow, and every tongue will confess that he is Lord. There is an end to the present day suffering. The kingdom of God is here, and it's also near. 
So we as believers grasp onto that with all that's within us. He is enough now and he will be more than enough at kingdom come. Yeah. Amen. I think it's N.T. Wright who talks a lot about the already but not yet for the kingdom of God. He said that at the cross, you know, Jesus won the victory. So the war. And then, so that was D-Day, you know, when the war was won. But the rest is just the mop-up operation. So the rest are battles to implement that victory. And that's how he describes it. And so Mm -hmm. Jesus wins the victory at the cross, but now we have these battles to implement what was already won at the cross. So, Mm -hmm. and that's the coming kingdom of God, as well as Mm -hmm. the kingdom that's already here. Well, that's wonderful. I I think I'm excited for this series. Those are all the questions that we have for the uh, Poor in Spirit series. Now, Cynthia, before we go into, I I just had a little more to add here at the end, but what topic in the Beatitudes are we covering for next week? Those who mourn. That's, I think we'll go a little bit into how each of these descriptions, Mm. the eight blessings are connected and what does it mean to be one who mourns and what are you mourning all that so that will be that'll be interesting yeah. i'm excited to share and uh, before we wrap up today i just wanted to quickly just on a personal note for both cynthia and i i know some of you who are listening to this and who listen to our episodes live in india and if you you know obviously if you're watching on the news or other places you know that india is going through a very difficult time now with the pandemic there's new variants of the virus and the hospital system has broken down and many people are suffering and there's a lot of death and devastation. So we just wanted to take a, a minute here to just tell our listeners in India that we are thinking of you and praying for you. Uh, our heart goes out to you. Cynthia, anything more to add? And would you just quickly just, you know, maybe pray for our listeners and anyone else in India that are going through so much suffering right now before we wrap up? Absolutely. We have been, Dick Cruz and I have been following the news together, sharing, uh, Dick Cruz has been sharing a lot of detailed articles with me. My parents just got here from India. And so I have some firsthand reports of how bad it is. And our, you know, our thoughts are with you, our prayers, we are praying daily, constantly for each one. And we, we want you to know we love you. We're thinking of you. And, you know, let's, like the crew said, let's spend time in prayer. Any suffering we go through is not unseen. We have a father who walks with us through our valleys and we can lean on him. Amen. And so we are never hopeless. Never. Even in death, we are not hopeless. And so let's, I would love to pray. Let's do that. Father God, we come before you. Lord, we come before you in our earthly helplessness, in our suffering, in our fear, our doubt. Lord, we lay this at your feet, Lord Jesus. We pray on behalf of our sisters and our brothers in Christ and our sisters and our brothers in India. Lord, we pray for them, Lord Jesus. In this dark season over there, Lord, be their light. Be present, Father. We pray for mercy and compassion, Lord. 
We pray, Father, for provision, Lord. We pray that the hospitals will have oxygen and beds. And Lord, your miraculous touch upon each person who's suffering with this virus, Lord. We need you, Father, at this time. We bring each person to you, Lord. We know you hear our prayers, Father. We lift them up into your presence, Lord. We intercede on their behalf, Father. Be close to us, Lord, in our darkness, Lord. Thank you, Father, that you hear our prayers. Thank you, Lord, for your love toward us. We pray for each doctor. We pray, Father, for each nurse. We pray for each government official who's trying to uh, sort out the country during this time. We pray for each person. We pray for each sick person, each family member, each person who's lost a loved one. Father, your presence is all we need, Lord. Your touch, Father, is what we ask for, Lord. Turn the people's eyes to you, Lord. Help them to rely on you and depend on you during this time, Lord Jesus. We come before you and ask this humbly in your name. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Cynthia. And uh, thank you so much for listening to this week's episode. Remember that there's always a new episode every Wednesday. To stay up to date, you can always subscribe to this podcast, turn on your notifications, especially now that we're in a new series. You want to make sure that those notifications are on so that you always know when the next episode comes out. If you'd like to ask Cynthia a question or offer suggestions on a future episode topic, please email her at Cynthia at PickUpYourBible.com. And listeners, may you experience the knowledge, wisdom, and love of God as you join us and pick up your Bible. Until next time, God bless you.